Welcome to Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Come along with us as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. We have partnered with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab to help get you in shape and mentally stronger. Whether you're a veteran hunter or just starting out, the Mountain Tough app will take you to the next level. We personally train using the Mountain Tough programs and we believe in it so much that we want to give you six weeks for free using code SHEEPBC. That's S-H-E-E-P-B-C. Check out Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. You won't be disappointed. Gregory, we're rolling into Christmas here. I'm, uh, you're looking a little Santa Claus-ish without the uh, the whiteness, but uh, looking the beard's looking good. You're repping well for Christmas. It's buddy. coming in. There's some there's some white in there somewhere as I slowly wither away into my senior years. <laughs> uh, awesome. So yeah, it's a festive season. We're dropping this on the 27th. So two days after Christmas, you got all your shopping done. You, you're ready to roll for the we did festivities the f- or what? The final push today of Christmas shopping nice. headed on down. Actually, this will air uh, after Christmas, so it's okay. We're down at Coraline's for the boys. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. Just yeah. Fi- uh, that's good. Yeah. Finishing off the, finished off everything today. It was good. How about you? Got it all done? Yeah, we're in good shape. Yeah, it's uh, we're taking off for the holidays, so the, it's uh, more of a trip gift as opposed to a uh, gift gift. So it's uh, it's been pretty easy this year. So yeah, which I'll take. Yeah, yeah, easy's but uh, easy's nice to avoid the chaos that is Christmas. So is does Connor listen to the podcast? Yep, yep. He does it. Eh? All right, on. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So I had to yeah. stop and think, think so. about it before I opened my mouth. Well, and you know, some I think sometimes you maybe talk a little bit of trash on his hunting skills too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? He got a big win. He got a big win from the oh. eye doctor. <laughs> so I got to take a lot oh. of things back I said about him. <laughs> oh, Tur- is that right? Turns he's out got, he can't uh, he see needs uh, some corrective lenses. He can't see. Um, well, he had glasses, but he turns out he's colorblind to pale colors. So if there's a deer oh, okay. in grass, yeah. he can't see it unless it's moving. Huh. It's like, oh, oh well, there that you go. explains everything. <laughs> Greg's like, oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my no, I definitely owe him uh, some apologies. <laughs> uh, yeah, right we'll on. Make up for it and oh, change that's cool. tactics. That's, that's awesome that he's figured it out and he knows the issue. And uh, yeah, he's probably, now you're in trouble. I, I've actually had some passes because you could actually kill some stuff, but now he's going to be killing everything on you. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll have to, yeah, to be figure it out but we got some tactics to change and uh we'll capitalize next year and yeah we'll practice in bear season as well but he's pretty good at seeing bears right on so if we got any listeners out there that have any um issues like color blindness or stuff like that and i do have friends with that have been afflicted by that um reach out to us it'd be pretty cool to actually do a podcast on it um not going to put connor on the spot yet but i'd love to to talk to some some people about that i'm sure there's a lot more people out there that are affected by it than we realize right so yeah well and that's it's you know it's it's been hamstringed his hunting and we had no idea until this year and he's 13 so it's uh hmm He's had a lot of missed opportunities where we've stared at each other. It's like, how did you not see that deer? <laughs> but now it all makes sense. Yeah, fair. 
I wish I had something to blame it on. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy with Mike. He's just, uh, he's so good at spotting game. And it's like, oh, there's one there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, just not there. So I'm, I'm, I'm Mike, I'm Mike's Connor, <laughs> but I don't have, have any, anything to blame it on. So, no, that's, um, yeah, right on. So, um, cool podcast. We had Fred Pringle on the podcast, uh, big game records of British Columbia and obviously a great organization that I'm pretty sure you're a life member with those guys. I am. Yep. Yeah, not uh, an elevated. What's their elevated membership? Platinum membership. I'm actually. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is. Yeah, I didn't even so, know they had. But one. anyway, I just I went. I was going down there to do the podcast, and I've always uh, loved what they do. And anyone that's listened to one of our earlier ones, Justin Spring was on from Boone and Crockett, and he talks about the importance of wildlife records. Fred touches on it, but Fred's got so many cool stories about hunting in BC that we just talked about hunting in BC mostly. But we did touch about you know big game records and what's going on over there and some of the stuff that's happening. But uh, just a great organization. I, you know, I signed up as a life member and they give you a really cool record book. It's super sweet. And uh, so, yeah, like, you know, we give out life member plaques, which are awesome and love it. But uh, the book was amazing to get that as well. So um, great ch- talk with Fred. Uh, they're coming to our Salute to Conservation and Mountain Hunting Expo and they're going to be there scoring sheep uh, and actually any big game records that you want so if you want to get scored uh bring them in they'll score it up for you they'll have their official scores there in uh penticton on february 23rd and 24th at our uh, mountain hunting expo so if you're a listener or in the area come down it's going to be a great event and you can you can visit with them i'm not sure fred will be there but certainly they're going to have representation uh, from their directors and uh, just a great organization. Um, some of our directors, I know Josh Hamilton, he's got a certification, uh, Wayland Vipon, he's certified as a, a Boone and Crockett scorer. And they, I, I, like Fred talks about it on the podcast, he, you know, he kind of does all of them, does SCI and everything. So um, just a great organization. And if anyone's not a member, just have a good look at what these guys do. It'd be awesome to see you sign up and, um, you know, anything we can do to support other conservation organizations in our space that think like us um, is a is a great thing. So. Yeah, and they're you know when when they're in at a show with well with us or anybody, their booth is always a cool spot to hang out. There's always random people yeah. bringing in random animals, and you know it's it's story time. You can you can hang out at their their booth the whole show, never walk away. Yeah, and hopefully uh, people are bringing in lots of stuff to get scored. I know I'll bring in a couple uh, animals I got floating around, so you know see where we're at yeah super cool i think you got a black bear that they got to take care of right yeah there was a there was an issue there <laughs> some something got lost in the yeah. mail but uh just need to get it rescored and then uh it'll be it'll be up there they'll be up there in uh, the good the good top pages is it in uh is it do you, th- you figure that bear is a bc book oh it is i i had it scored before and then uh, okay it literally got lost in the mail Okay. And then I was up here to, so it wasn't going to be, I was away when it needed to be scored again so they can send off the paperwork, but it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's close to 21. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, that's awesome. And you're in the right part of the world for easy access to big bears up in that, uh, McKenzie area, right? Uh, I hunted that Williston Lake area for grizzlies and man, there's just bears everywhere. Big freaking black bears just everywhere and grizzlies too, but black bears everywhere, man. Oh, it's, it's unreal. 
if you're black bear hunting and you go to Williston Lake, anywhere on it, it's anywhere yeah. on it, you'll see. We bears take Connor out. Yeah, take Connor out. He's guaranteed to get a, a bear. Like it's guaranteed. Like he, you can't. Yeah, they're, they're logging road. They're just walking down the logging road, so he'll be able to see that for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's shot two there already. He's. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, Connor. Jeez. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. awesome. We don't need to publicize them too much, even though we lean on it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So I guess there's a couple things uh, for our listeners. For those in BC, we still got our, our, our wild sheep raffles are up and going. Our Linum rifle, so it's the big bore rifle. It's like 85%. This was, you know, a week earlier recorded a week um, from today when we released it. And um, so if you're going to get some tickets, you better get them if they're not already gone. And uh, it's a 280 Ackley. Um, it's got a WSSBC 2023 serial number. So it's a custom defiance um, action on there. And they've got the, that WSSBC 2023 serial number. So that'd be a, that's such a cool firearm you won't forget your serial number on that one that's for sure <laughs> and it's just dialed in uh gary flack build um again generosity of of don lineham and gary flack and just awesome rifle so a few tickets left on that one i wish i could buy tickets that that's the one i'd be spending my money on but unfortunately is uh running the r- raffles so we we can't do that for the integrity of the program and that makes sense and then you know just everyone, just remember that we got our salute to conservation. Uh, we've heard from a few people that they didn't realize that, oh, this is replacing Kamloops. It is replacing Kamloops. And the other thing I've heard is that, oh, the hotel's sold out. It's not sold out. Um, there is a discount code if you put in um, a WSSBC discount code. It's on our website. and uh, But you have to put in for the dates. So if you put it a few days in before, a few days after, uh, it says that you know it's sold out at that rate, but if you get the exact dates, or if you call in, you can book the dates. So, um, lots of tickets left uh, for the hotel. Um, we do expect these events to sell out, so I wouldn't mess around too long. Christmas is going to roll by here, and everybody's going to get pretty furious about their tickets. And talk about a lineup, man! Like, uh, where do you get to go and hang out with Aaron Snyder? Like, he's going to be there. He's going to be doing a seminar each day. He's going to be at the booth. And uh, like the guy's a legend, but he's just one of many. Um, it just the list is is long and distinguished, and it's uh, it's going to be such a great event. We got so many cool things planned this year, Greg. Yeah, it's jam packed, and you know we had to extend it a day this time, so it's kicking off with the disease symposium, which is kind of neat. Which we've got people coming in from literally around the world for. So there's lots lots to learn there, and then we got the whiskey and cigar night on Thursday. That's a new one for us. That'll be, uh, I don't know, I'm looking forward to that for some weird reason, but uh, I think I'm buying a lot of people whiskey because of some guy on the other yeah, side you of are. the screen. Anyone that co- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyone that comes in from out of province, Greg's buying. Yeah. yeah. So just saying. You find me. I might not be there, but come find me. <laughs> I might have to leave early. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a jam-packed event. Like it's, there's so much going on. We can't even talk about all of it, but if you pay attention to our social medias and our e-blasts like it's we're, we've released the schedule it's out there you see the speakers you see what's going on find out about the sheep hunters university like there's nowhere else in bc where you can make something like this happen i don't even know if there's anything like this in canada yeah no i don't i don't think so there are lots of great trade shows the bc outdoor show is a great show um and a whole bunch of other ones the interior show is great um, but it's really 
like just outdoor related. Ours is very focused on mountain hunting. You know, you want to go buy some freeze dried. You want to buy like Stone Glacier's got a booth. Kefaru's got a booth. Gunworks has um, got representation there. I'm not sure if they'll have their own booth, but um, Snowy Mountain Rifles, um, Wild TV is going to be there. Joe Appel is going to be there. Um, so there's just all kinds of great resources for mountain hunting. Uh, if you've ever wanted, and it doesn't have to be sheep, hey, like you want to go chase goats, you want to go chase elk, mule deer, doesn't really matter, pick one. Um, it, this is the place for you. You're going to come and learn with the best of them. Uh, Kuyu is going to be there. They'll have their booth and um, Sitka Gear's got a booth. Um, so just the, the, the list is long. Um, great people, great vibe. And, and for me, yeah, there's all this cool stuff and you're going to talk sheep and you're going to talk about where you go sheep hunting and, and how you do sheep hunting and you're going to look at the latest gear. You're going to see, I, like I know Sitka Gear, is, I, I talked to Sitka Gear last week and they're teeing up with Adam Foss about Adam's going to do a presentation, a seminar. He's going to be talking about the gear that he uses and then they're going to have that gear at their booth. So you go try it out, you try it on. If you like it, you buy it. If you don't, then you go try on someone other's gear, someone else's gear. So it just goes to show you the level that's going into the show, and um, it's really f- mountain hunting centric. Yeah, if you want to learn about fishing or fly fishing or whatever, this is probably not exactly the show you want to go to. Like there'll be lots of people that are interested in that sort of stuff, but we're not filled with a bunch of booths that are focused around fishing. We're we're talking mountain hunting. And, um, so it's, it's great for that. And, and we're trying to create this niche that's very, um, focused on that. Like we're focusing on the mountain hunting experience and all our speakers, our sheep hunting university gear, everything points to that. And then our keynotes, Julie McQueen, carbon TV, queen of the outdoors, Julie. And then we've got Mr. Glenn Landris, chair of the wild sheep foundation. So, um, two heavy hitters for our keynotes, um, for both nights, Seminar lineup is ridiculous, and Greg's buying alcohol for everybody. <laughs> you know, and there's there's rumors of the who's who in the hunting industry that we can't mention might show up and float around too. So you're gonna want to show up. You're gonna want to show up. Are you gonna you gonna tell me who that is? <laughs> Not on air. Um, <laughs> um, I am joking about the booze. Greg's not going to buy everybody booze. That's that's not true. I'm just saying. Yeah, I just got to be careful. But in if case you my fly in, he, <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, you're not going to that show. Uh, anyway, that's it. Um, come check it out. And uh, we, you know, we are going to be there. Greg's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, our board's going to be there. And uh, we're we've got a great event planned. We can't wait to meet meet you there. And if you're up north and you can't make the travel down, our northern fundraiser, there's still a handful of tickets. We got the Friday night fun night sponsored by Frontiersman Gear, and they're putting on a great event. We're going to premiere our new film, Beyond Bonds. Um, great film, a women hunt and women shaping conservation collaboration. Uh, amazing film. We've seen it, Greg. You uh, you got to watch that in Richmond a few weeks ago. And uh, it's just going to be a, a great evening there, too. You're going to be there at the Northern. I think you said you're going to be buying anyone that drives over from Alberta drinks. I think you said. I'm just kidding. He's not buying drinks there. Oh, Alberta's but, a little uh, close to the Dawson. That's the problem, right? Yeah. It's like an hour drive. It's like we sell out tomorrow. It's like all the Grand Prairie boys and girls are listening to the podcast, right? Yeah. I'd be oh, in trouble. Goodness. Yeah. Awesome. So... Um, best of the holidays to all of you. Thank you to our listeners for being listeners. Uh, we could not do without you. And um, Mountain Tough Fitness Labs, thank you for supporting the podcast. All our generous sponsors, donors, everyone. And let's listen to Mr. Fred Pringle from 
Bay Game Records of BC. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Gunworks. Thank you Sitka Gear and Gunworks for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. So Fred, first of all, uh, what a pleasure to be here. You know, it was interesting. My partner, Mike Kirk, came out for uh, to have his uh, doll sheep scored because you're, a, I guess, a Boone and Crockett and a, a BC Record book scorer. Is that correct? Yeah, BC Records, Long Hunter, Pope and Young, the whole, and SCI. Right, awesome. The whole sort of schmear, I guess. Um, I score mainly SCI. I score most of Jim Shockey's Okay. And that's why I got into that. Right. Um, it's not my preference because it's a little bit different system. Uh, I prefer the Boone and Crockett system. Okay. So, but he does a lot of long hunter stuff and now he's doing quite a bit of Pope and Young. Right, right. So with that, like obviously you score Jim stuff, but will Jim bring client stuff in and that sort of stuff as well? Or is that mostly Jim uh, stuff? Not usually. Okay. No, just his personal okay. stuff. Okay. I'm waiting to hear from him actually. He's got a mountain caribou from this year. He wants Okay. Time. Yeah. So. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously he's had some family problems with losing Louise and yeah. so forth. Yeah. Must be, it's pretty tough on him. Tough on the whole family. Yeah. As it, you can expect. Yeah. And the community too, really. There's a, you know, I'm sure you, you know, you're friends with Jim and everything and, yeah. They used to come here and summer barbecues and have a great time. Right. A nice lady. Class act. Yeah. 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 Well, Fred, um. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, I'm sitting in your place here and, um, so Mike had come out here to check it out and I was, he said, oh, you got to go and see Fred's place. And I said, you got to talk to Fred. And he goes, you got to go see his back room. And I walked into the front room and I was, I just was gobsmacked. I'm like, we're doing the podcast here. And then you're like, okay, that sounds good, but you should come and come look at the other room just to, so you can see both. And when I walked into this, uh, absolute Mecca for, BC's wildlife it just absolutely this is the most inspiring place I've ever podcasted I can say without question and it puts Cabela's to shame in many ways um, and incredible that it's all British Columbia with I think you said there's one exception here most of my stuff other than some of my wife's and she would be happy that I would say she's got the biggest moose in here <laughs> and uh, she's got a Roosevelt's elk I've never been able to draw it so she's uh, <laughs> She's out of the game in that respect. Well, that's phenomenal. So, Fred, maybe can you talk a little bit about, you know, how did all this happen? So you've you've had a lifetime of, of hunting and scoring and everything, but how did you kind of get into the hunting game? Um, my fam- Nobody in my family hunted uh, at all. And uh, I was always interested in wildlife and wildlife management. And to be honest, I wanted to be, I wanted to go into marine zoology. Okay. And uh, took the science courses in high school for for that and got into university and figured out pretty quick that I couldn't take any of the courses I wanted to take for like three years. Mm. And uh, taken a bunch of courses that I couldn't really, in reality, see me utilizing at all. So I went went from that and went logging. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, when I was logging, I met up with a fellow, um, Al Turvo, and he was a hunter. And uh, we kind of putzed around a bit together, and um, I worked out in Jordan River, actually, for three years. Okay. And uh, sort of 
didn't really hunt with Al, but he hunted, I hunted, started hunting. My first wife, she grew up in the prairies in Saskatchewan, and her dad, um, old Johnny, wasn't a hunter, but he, he, they weren't wealthy. They were what you call just dirt farmers, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, Judy, she, she tells stories of deer hanging in her, outside her bedroom in the upper hallway, so the COs couldn't figure it out. And <laughs> Johnny used to tell me that the best time to hunt deer was in a full moon in the flax fields. He's excellent meat. You know. <laughs> And he'd shoot the biggest body because the cost of shells. Mm-hmm. So she she grew up with it. So I started hunting. And the uh, first couple of black tail, just black tails, first couple of animals I shot were does. I'm happier than clams about this because we had meat. How old would you have been then? Um, I would be, I was married when I was 21. So I'd be 22. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Al kept bugging me to go north. He had money. He was a faller <clears throat> by that time in the Charlottes. And, and uh, money wasn't a problem for him, but it certainly was for us. So um, we started, we went up there to the Cassiar in 73 and uh, hunted off the highway because it was a brand new highway, rougher than, rougher than anything. It was like a, I don't know, 15, 16 hours from the, the, uh, Kitwanga Junction to get to D's. It took you 15 hours. Oh, it was brutal. Wow. Yeah, they were just uh, working on the railroad, the BC rail grade, and yeah. there was transports, and uh, you had to cut through a bunch of logging roads, and it was just a horror show, like five miles an hour stuff and washboard and potholes and what have you. But, uh, yeah, we got two moose, and then went back and. 74 um he was in the charlottes at the time so they him and his wife got the ferry to uh rupert we met them in um up in there and two campers two couples and three dogs i think went north and anyway he talked me into going flying in hmm. so we went to these and his wife dropped us off and not prepared at all lousy sleeping bag I just about froze to death <laughs> but he he always wanted a big moose and I was by that time really fascinated by caribou I thought they were the coolest animal mm-hmm. and I ended up getting a caribou and he got a moose so I was hooked so Fred 50 years ago that's 50 years now what what was it like so I know you know you haven't been hunting the last few years up north but what what is it like what is the game what was it different from when you stopped going north to what it was 50 years ago was there a big difference in in the amount of animals and and um the no no not really okay um uh the amount of animals no everything seemed to be okay uh the seasons were such that wolves hadn't hadn't made a big impact on the calf population you'd you'd hunt caribou and you'd see calves moose would be having calves trailing and when I quit, that's what I even asked today, guys that come back with a caribou, and I go, how many calves do you see? Oh, we've seen two. Saw three. You know, they're getting predated pretty good. Right. Yeah. And uh, there was lots, lots of animals around back then, yeah. Hmm. A lot more than today in caribou and moose. 
And what the, about the quality? Like, the, so when you so you think back to your last caribou hunt versus fifty years ago, well, were there a lot bigger bulls back then? Or? I I spent ten years trying to figure it out, which maybe is a little slow on my part, but I had no help, no nobody to turn to. It was just my hunting partner at the time, and uh, yeah, we studied maps and talked to people and measured every caribou I could get my hands on, trying to figure out what to look for. And it took me from, well, 74 to 1983, I shot my first BC book, Caribou. Wow. Uh, and by that time, yeah, I'd kind of figured it out. So after that, it sounds terribly arrogant to say easy, but it was a little bit easier because you have to kind of pinpoint where the animals were that I wanted to hunt. And it was basically the cassiar. Uh, right. Yeah. I like. I personally like the widespread, big, fiery top type animals. I think the Spatsizi country is more towards smaller points and bunchier and um, maybe palmier stuff, but not as rangy as the northern cassiar. Right. So that I settled in on that and every, drove guys nuts because all I wanted was to hunt caribou. Yeah. And so I'd say, hey, you you shoot your moose, and I just want a caribou. So, awesome, worked out good. So, well, the, and this is this room is indicative of of a life's work of you know hunting caribou. You look and you got a dozen bulls here. Which is the first the eighty three bull where you you made the book with? Which one is he? The high up, high up in the corner over there. Wow, the far one. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just a absolute. What did he score? Uh, three nine four. Wow, and That's is changed. he the biggest one? Two eight. Okay, is that the biggest one you shot um, over the years? Is there bigger since? 429. And this one behind me here, this one with all the junk on it. Um, yeah. That one is uh, 427. Wow. Phenomenal. Yeah, it says 391 here. That one's 360-something, six. Mm -hmm. This one's 394. That one up there is 384, I think. Wow. And 391 over there. 360-something. That one's uh, 379. Have you ever taken and added all of them up, combined score? Nope. That, what is that? It's four, over 4,000 points probably. I don't know. I, I have never really figured out how many I've shot, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think it's around 21 or 2. Wow. That's the. Uh, there's a set of big shed antlers over there too. It's an, It's the world's record shed antler match set. Caribou. Is that right? What would that have scored if they, would you um, guess if you had it's to? It's 389 and something with no spread. So. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. I thought it was two sets of antlers when I saw it on the on the tundra, but wow. They, they were about 400 yards apart, I guess. Just lucky on my part, finding them. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So, And the other animals are kind of Incidental to the caribou. Right. Right. So was it, you said, so 73 was the first year you went north. Is that, did you hunt caribou that first year? Or? Okay. And then when was your first caribou hunt, I guess? Okay. And you were successful in that one? Okay. Yeah. So when you look at all these animals that you've taken over the years, is there one that is the most memorable, the biggest one? Is it the first book one? Is it your first animal or? Most memorable. Um, I think that one there is really neat. 
Right. It's not record book, but it's eh, 365 or something. But it's I think it was a cool hunt. Good guy I was with. Uh, and, um, yeah, it was a good hunt. This one, um, it was it was good because my wife was with me. Is that right? And she walked up to it with me. And, uh, yeah. And that's the biggest one. And that's the biggest one you've ever, yeah. So I guess that just goes to show you should take your wife with you. <laughs> I, uh, we had cameras, of course. It was in those days, 97, we didn't have the little digital gizmo. And yeah. uh, so I had one picture left on my camera. So I was here, use up the film. She says, that's good. I got a roll of 36 in mine. So click, click, click. I knew how big it was. So I got a pretty good picture with my camera. She took, and then she's clicking this, clicking that, and I got the antlers on the pack board. She click, click, click. You know. Yeah, no, the film hadn't grabbed. So we got the one oh, picture no. of it. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, and that would have been amazing photos with you on the pack board. I really wanted to have them, oh. yeah. Yeah, but hey, that's, that's the way it is. So brought the cape out and life-sized it and Jack Gibson of Vancouver mounted it and uh, I got the grizzly I wanted the grizzly pulling it down and he said he didn't want to do that because if I ever donate it to a museum they don't like the blood aspect so he says let's mount the bear like it's going to and let people figure out their own mind what what's happened 10 minutes later or 5 minutes later so that's this yeah. one. So. Um, so on that note, I, I was up at Jim's museum there, and I'm pretty sure it's amazing. But I think he said that you were – so now you got this collection, your own work of art here, which, you know, for our listeners, I just – I wish you could see what I'm looking at right now. How, how many heads do you – how many species or how many animals are in this room? It, it, there's got to be 100. There's um, – Yeah. It's unbelievable. Floor to ceiling, caribou everywhere, and but not just caribou, goats and sheep. So, yeah, yeah, three sheep and one is there two grizzly, life-sized wolverine. Yeah, amazing birds and everything. So, but I think Jim had said that you were you'd planned to donate some of the stuff to the museum at some point. Yeah, him and I have talked about it, and um, he said he would like to see the caribou stay as a group. And I, I kind of think the right. same. Yeah. This is not my comfort zone to saying, like I told you, I did this and I did that. But apparently it's it's um, quite rare for this amount of record book animals to be taken by one. Oh, person. absolutely. Yeah. And his opinion is it is the hardest one. Is to that stand. right? Yeah. 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 It's not like the, well, like they're hard now, but Quebec Labrador or Central Canada Bearing Ground. You'd see thousands right. these things. These things, yeah. Yeah, and they're as rare as they were during your time. They're even more rare now, and it's going to continue to get worse, right? So. They don't seem to recognize how much trouble mm-hmm. they're in. Yeah. 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 I mean, I got in when I got into hunting. I read I collect hunting books, but I read Jack O'Connor, mm-hmm. like it was he was the big yeah. guru. Everything in this room is shot with a 130 grain. Is that right, eh? Is that right? Wow. Yeah. Because of a 270. That influence. A 270. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah so that's just a little added note and yeah um so yeah so i i've made arrangements for jim to get the so there's that but then there's also that front room of yours and it's a you those are items that you've collected over the years so what's how did that passion for you start fred what's the story behind that i like wildlife I like antlers uh I think they're fascinating. Uh, I think that's why I like caribou because it's like hunting non-typical mule deer right. all the time. Yeah, because they're they're basically the same, but no two are right. the same. So it's a kind of a crapshoot of of how pretty it's going to be and what mm -hmm. it looks like. Um, there's been a couple I've passed up over the years, of course, that that really come back to haunt me a little bit. One especially. <laughs> Um, it wasn't even a record book head and, uh, he had two shovels and one shovel came off the middle bottom of the bez oh. and came up and, and I knew it was, wouldn't count for anything. So I, I was into numbers at that time. I let him go. Still think about it. Still talking about it yeah, today. Beauty. Beauty. That was in, uh, whoa, 1984. Okay. Somewhere yeah. back there. And another one, uh, I like spread. That's just the way it is. And this guy was probably 20 inch inside, like quite narrow, quite high. And he had a, his second longest top point on the one side kind of went straight out the side. And made him look like a homer. And I didn't <laughs> like him. So I just passed him up. And I thought, would I want him mounted in my room? And no. He'd be around that 390, low wow. 390s. With the 20-inch spread. So, wow, just yeah. ridiculous amount of mass. Yeah. The, yeah. All kinds of stuff going on there. Eh? Yep. And then another one haunted me for years, still does. I was above him. Um, he's bedded on a bench below me about 75 yards out with his cows and a couple of young bulls. And he was a monster. Um, I can picture him as I talk about him. He had everything. Except four points on each side on top. And this was a couple of years after they brought in this supposedly trophy five point above the rear point deal. This guy had four points each side. And he would score. He would score pushing on 430. No. He was a monster. <laughs> just a, And I'm looking at the spine scope and I'm trying to figure out just finding a little bump that I could plead to the judge like... <laughs> It was a point, you know, like, no, he was absolutely just wasn't there, eh? For it. Nope, wasn't huh. there. So I left him bedded and retreated. And wow, phenomenal. So you like the, the widespread, you like lots of junk. Um, what about Bez's shovels? What, what, what do you look for there? Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they usually go with it, but caribou are funny because you can get into a bunch of mature bulls and one will have fantastic right. tops nothing yeah. for a shovel the other guy has super good beds and tops no shovel then you get a huge shovel and he's got stubbies for yeah. beds the hard part is finding it all right. yeah you know and even these yeah they score good but they haven't got right. it all like this this guy here the life size he's he hasn't got a second yeah. shovel Imagine yeah. if he did, you know, and uh, I've never been lucky enough to get a big, big, solid head with right. 
Yeah. Well, your your big guy here, he's so heavy. There's so much mass on him, eh? Yeah, and he's so yeah. wide. Um, he, I see there's one came in from a couple of years ago with a wider spread. He was number two. Is that right? But for yeah. spread, yeah. But yeah, it's, there's wide. So this one was the one with your wife. She was on this hunt. So you guys, yep. was it a fly-in trip or was it a, so yep. can you tell us yep. a little bit about the trip and the hunt and what, what the, yeah. That one? Um, yeah, we, we went in and, and uh, flew in, got our camp organized and set up. And when the six-hour deal was over, we got a bit of a hunt in that okay. afternoon. And, uh, of course, we had to wait because it's illegal to hunt within yeah. six. So I don't know what time it was. Shortly thereafter, there's a bunch of caribou on the hills above camp. So we went for a, a walk on that. Jumped them. And the herd went through a little draw and up on the other side. And they weren't scared at all. They all bedded down, actually. One was good enough that I thought she should take this thing. White cape and nice, nice tops and... Anyway, three of us are sitting there, and it's down down a draw, and then up the other side, and then they're kind of bedded on a bit of a hogback. And he, the bull's bedded. We could see the tops of his shoulders and his head and his antlers. So we're trying to figure out how far away he is. We got no range finder or nothing. So we come up with uh, 350. Okay. So the gun sighted in for for uh on the money at 265 three inches high at 100 so i'm looking at this thing and i says when you get a chance when he stands up give him a little bit of light over his shoulder let's see what happens so she's all bedded in and she's got her bipod and he stands up he's broadside i says okay nothing behind him nothing beside him so she touches off a shot uh, hits him in the front leg and down he goes behind this stupid hogback. So I says, get over there and put him out of his misery, you know. And uh, so we're thinking about this, and he's way out there. We shouldn't have been shooting that far, you know. But we did. And uh, But in our defense, just screwed up on the estimation of right. that range. Yeah. So she hustled over there. We gathered up pack boards and everything else. and She put him down, and that was it. He didn't move anywhere. Mm. So. Awesome. But, um, so then, oh, two or three, four days later, we're from camp. My partner, he went one way, and uh, I was in camp turning uh, Karen's cape. And I look across, and I can see the this guy. He's right on the edge of the lake we landed on, which is kind of common uh, when they get chased okay. by wolves. Yeah. Um, that one. The yeah. high one there, the wolves chased him right right down to the lake and swam across the lake the night huh. before um, when okay. I got that one, howling and yowling. And poor old caribou, he was bedded on this little point right on the edge of the lake, so he had escaped. But anyway, we made the we made the circle around the lake and snuck up on this guy, and he was in a bit of a depression, and I could see the tops, I could see the beds, but I couldn't see any shovel. Yelled at him. We were 70 yards from him. Shooting offhand because we're standing in the middle of a swamp, <laughs> sinking, sinking in the muskeggy stuff. And uh, 
Yeah, I could see his points are looking around. So I howled at him. Nope. Grunted like a moose. Nope. So finally, antlers go forward and he steps. Karen goes, holy <laughs> crap. I go, boom, knees down. You know, I'm like, you can see this really nice shovel come up. So it was, uh, it was interesting. He was right there, like you know, close range. One of the closer ones. I've so how far would have so he been from camp on that one? Oh, that's fair. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Easy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Round the lake. So we had no boat or anything right. there. Right. You know, it's just a little puddle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure. But Very cool. Very cool. So but so yeah. you you're a caribou hunter at heart, but. Uh, there's grizzly bear, there's sheep. Um, of course, this is the Talk of Sheep podcast, so we got to touch on sheep a little bit. But, uh, yeah, you said you've gone on three sheep hunts and you got three absolutely stunning rams there. So what's the story with them? Um, the guy's buddy of mine, that, oh, I worked with him, Frank, Frank Wolf. He, uh, he taught me into going. So it was him, one of my partners at the time, and uh, uh, his brother, four of us went. We flew up. Uh, we flew out of Victoria to uh, Watson okay. Lake, and then floats back into BC. And I got this one on the end, um, ten and a half year old, broom back, heavy. It's a heavy I think he man. scores one fifty eight. Okay. I think. Yeah. I was pretty stoked with him. This was an opening deal because I had to get back organized to go caribou hunting. Uh, so that was the proviso that, yeah, I'll go, but we got. So that was an August ram because he, he's got a pretty, it looks like, you know, it's not those heavy winter capes, but he's still got a pretty, it looks like a pretty full cape on him. He was a big bodied ram. He was with a full curl that came up about two inches above the nose, and he was a head and shoulders, a better, better shot. Is that right, eh? Yeah. Yeah. He was half again the body size, I guess, and and obviously very very heavy. This other one was quite light. Right. Pretty, but yeah. I well, and this this is one of the darker rams you see, right? He almost this bighorn dark. You know, he's yeah. You know, you look at that. Well, there's a traditional stone beside him there, but that is a dark, beautiful cape, and they're so stunning. Eh? They all came probably within 500 yards of each other. Is that right? Eh? Um. 89, and I think the last one was 94. Okay. So in that five-year mm. period. Did any of the other guys that you yeah. hunted with, so did they kill rams as well on those trips? Uh, yeah, we got four for four on that trip. And then the next time we went, uh, there was we got three out of four. And okay. I think the yeah. last time yeah. was the three out of awesome. four, too. Well, yeah. so what did these other two score? Because that... <laughs> 160 nice. and something yeah. and 161 and something. Yeah, the, w the one in the middle is, um, it was 40 and wow. 40 and four, I think, on the long side. Yeah, beautiful. So it's interesting that they're 500 yards apart because they're all very distinct. Like lots of rams are pretty, you know, they, they you know, you take a ram out of a certain area, they all kind of look, but these are all, you, yeah, each one's pretty unique. It's a little different, yeah. Yeah, the the one on the other, the far right, he's I think thirty eight, but uh, mm -hmm. 
Beach. He was really yeah. pretty. But he's dark. He's quite dark. He's very similar to that yeah. first broomed off one in the neck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah there's all three are great rams for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So and the and the most of the bears are um I mean this one on the wall here, okay. that's the first one I shot. It was in seventy six. So that's one of the spots we were hunting caribou and right. uh, there was caribou there but they weren't trophy. Right. Or you know they were more um in that okay. three fifty bracket to three sixty it seemed. Uh, mature bulls, no problem there, but just weren't there. So we changed and moved our hunting okay. hundred yeah. and some miles to the west. So you've killed a couple of, or I think you said you killed three grizzly over the years. Is that correct? You got, oh, you got seven. Okay. So um, you probably, every, like every time I go north, I see grizzly bears and maybe they're more abundant now. They are, eh? Yeah. So I was wondering, you know, you probably could have killed one every year. You've probably seen one every year. Is that something where you just wasn't on the radar? You wanted to get your caribou, and that was the focus? Um, yeah, no. Okay. Um, yeah. I was hunting for a blonde, I think, because I really like these blonde silver tip guys. And I passed up a lot of dark kind of silver tip, I guess you might say, because I Right. I didn't have to get a grizzly yeah. to be a successful hunt, if you know what I mean. And uh, one in particular I passed up on in the caribou country. And a week later, a group okay. of guys on the on hunting moose killed him. Oh, wow. And he was 25 and something. Okay. You know, just a monster. But he was black. And I wasn't keen on him. So, um, uh yeah, they're kind of an incidental. Yeah, I've had lots of opportunity. Um, I used to take a tag every year. You know, I was the only one right. that did because yeah. nobody else wanted to spend 70 bucks. And uh, so I always had the option open. Um, obviously, I didn't shoot a, a grizzly every year. One year, um, um, let me think about this, uh, 2000, 2001, I think, or two. I'd have to look it up. I should have looked it up before we sat down. Um, it's the caribou that's out in the hallway there. I've got him. I got a. Uh, yeah, I got the caribou and a moose that trip. Okay. And I didn't have a grizzly draw. I saw 27 grizzlies on the hunt. And to the point where they were. Yeah, I was getting kind of a little bit worried. I'm shooting beside them. They're trying to get the moose meat. They're hanging around camp. Like it was just a, your basic horror show. So I was thinking, if I have to shoot one of these things, I'm not going to waste right. the hide. So I wonder, how's that going to look? I got caught with a bloody hide, you know, and bring it back and then turn it in, I guess. But I didn't want to waste it. But now I understand there's bears being yeah. shot everywhere. Yeah, and I'm sure that's going on. Left. So that kind of brings up like kind of a conservation question, you know, like obviously the ban came in and, you know, 20 years ago, whatever it was. And then again in 2017, do you think they're going to have to do something about it? Because it's, yeah. Yep. Well, they're getting killed. What they've done, this is my opinion. Um, I talked to a, a hunter just a couple of weeks ago 
and he had a really some interesting information okay. from the native yep. population that these the Taltan Nation. They're guiding up there. Uh, caribou, mm -hmm. moose, they got a dollar value. And he had a, a guided hunt, and he was so happy to get this right thing. It? And he paid 23 okay. Canadian for it, huh. 23,000 for a caribou. And he said that that particular guide is taking four bulls this year. Yeah. So there's 100 grand, right? Um, what they're doing is they've got a bounty, apparently, on... I think uh, it is. I've heard this as well. Yeah. Public. Yeah, I've heard that same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thousand bucks for wolves and grizzly, and he says they're shooting sows, cubs, everything they can get their hands on, mm -hmm. because the bears are taking the calves in the spring. Right. And they have a value to them. Whereas when the government banned grizzly hunting, they effectively yeah. made yeah. grizzly bears worthless. Therefore, they got no. Mm -hmm. nobody's wants to keep them. They're just a pain in the ass. So they're getting killed. I hear, understand they're getting killed in the coots. They're getting killed everywhere. Um, a buddy of mine who's a non-hunter, he comes out the other day to buy some eggs. and He's got pictures of these two bears, and they are gorgeous. Your typical blonde, okay. chocolatey in the legs, then going to blonde, and going right up mm -hmm. to a little bit of a dark tip on the shoulders. Looked like a, I'd hate to say a sow and a three-year-old, okay. but one was bigger than the other, apparently. And I says, oh, how much did they really bug these guys? Because they were moose hunters. He goes, well, right. I think the truth be known, they dumped both of them because they were yeah. terrorizing the meat and tearing things apart. And just made a new, I mean, the picture they had was huh. probably from here to the corner of the room, like right close. So... So putting all this together, mm -hmm. from what I'm hearing, there's a lot getting left. Probably more mm -hmm. so now than when there was a season. You can't you can't uh, make an animal worthless. Yeah. And expect yeah. it's the whole age old argument for hunting in Africa, right? People don't don't like people harvesting these animals, but uh, if you don't if they don't have any value, then they just get caught killed indiscriminately. So. Yeah. I've talked to Jim quite a bit about it and, and uh, mm -hmm. he says yeah the natives are only too happy to get the meat so the, the hunter guided hunter gets the trophy that everybody's happy and the money gets put back yeah. into the local economy a lot of it you know in trophy fees and I don't know what kind of system they got there but right and that's what it's yeah. coming to it's all coming down to dollar bills the whole yeah. the whole wheel yeah. turns around on dollar bills and I hate to say it, but our government seems to be managing to zero. Um, I mean, guys, mm -hmm. quite a few friends of mine, they're going to Alberta yeah. hunting. They can't believe it. Well, and I think that's the thing is there's places that manage for trophy quality, um, like Alberta, like with their mule deer, right? They've got, you know, world-class mule deer. It's because they manage that way. And if, if you take it and you're serious about it, that's the outcome you're going to get. And if you don't treat it that way, then you're going to get the other outcome, right? So. Yeah, I think our the way it's looking with ours, they right. want to turn the whole yeah. thing over to the natives. Um, and I'm not saying bad. I'm not saying good. I'm not saying anything. I'm just yeah. They, they're working. They they are changing the process, and now it's co-management. You're right, which is a complete change than in in the past. So it's it is new for us, and it's going to be. Um, 
but you know, I've said it before, and I don't want to be too critical, but uh, you know, maybe maybe now wildlife will actually start being looked after properly because we could argue that there's been years that you know we haven't put enough resources. I can't believe that all our tag values don't go to everything goes for to wildlife management. That only you know a portion of it goes, and then the rest goes into general coffers. It's so I'm hoping that changes with this. I I don't know that it will, but so should be nice. Like I. I told this fellow that was telling me about the tall tans there. And I said, well, I, right. uh, what can I say? I said, I'm on the caribou side. So they've been pounded on. Um, they've been purgated. And uh, I personally would like to see that whole upper plateau mm -hmm. country made into a park, I think. But there's another problem. Is, um, I right. will never... Yeah donate to parks <laughs> i think this fallow deer right. fiasco yeah. is just an absolute travesty yeah um what are they thinking you know what is, you know millions of dollars to to eradicate mm -hmm. or they never will but they're trying to by helicopter mm -hmm. and i knew they've been doing it in the charlottes uh, mm -hmm. on blacktail what are they thinking there you know, I, I phoned a buddy of mine when he, he, he passed away a year or so ago, but he was a retired um, wildlife biologist. He, he lived in Terrace, so I phoned Grant, and I said, what is going on up there? I said, I'm hearing that they're shooting from a helicopter in the Charlottes. And he goes, what? Yeah, and a week later, he phones me back, and he says, yeah, they are. They brought these crews in from New Zealand. And he says, but I wouldn't worry too much. He says that his buddy was in charge of the whole fiasco. And he says their latest cost is about $10,000 for everyone yeah. killed. Don't, you know, like, you know, Charlotte's rainforest blacktail. Like, who yeah, thought up yeah. this idea of shooting from a helicopter? You know, it's not like you're on yeah. that open no. ball yeah, mass definitely. prairie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, definitely that's my flawed. personal view on that. I've I've hunted fallow deer over there, and if mm -hmm. they'd manage the yeah. thing, absolutely, it would be viable, you know. And they could keep it under control, but nah. yeah, you could argue that point forever, I guess. But I think their biggest their biggest uh, mistake, if you want to call it that, was subdividing right. a lot of Sydney Island and selling it to the public. Yeah. Now you got a, just a complicating factor. And half of it being parks, and I right. guess that's what's yeah. causing all this performance. But, but they're they're wanting to kill mm -hmm. off the blacktail as well as the fallow deer. So I guess these sharpshooters right, aren't yeah. sharp enough to yeah. figure out what a blacktail is. Yeah. So I I see in the paper this morning that uh, their pet wolf at Parksville is eating somebody's dog. Okay. That wolf right. dog cross that they've been trying to catch. So I'd probably suggest they take a run over there <laughs> with their gunship. And well, and I guess, you know, that, you know, back to the grizzly bear issue is, you know, if they become, if there's too many, they're going to be problematic. And uh, no, nobody in the, you know, the urban centers in Victoria, Vancouver um, cares too much because it doesn't affect them. But yeah. Nope. They got no idea. And uh, I'm no biologist, but the way I see it, I've asked people like, mm -hmm. why are we got Grizzlies on Vancouver Island, all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh, poor guys are looking for territory. Mm -hmm. They're getting killed off on the coast because yeah. it's too many bears. You know? 
I mean, the best thing you can do for for a bear, either grizzly or black or cougar, right, is uh, shoot the big males. Right. You'll get lots of animals. Uh, if you don't do that, those big males will be right. taking the, yeah. the kittens and the yeah. cubs. No one can So people don't, can't figure that out because yeah. it goes opposite to what they really want to believe. And that is don't hunt them. And when you don't hunt them, uh, under manage, proper management, you basically you, any, doesn't matter if it's predator or prey, Mm-hmm. You end up with a false population because that's what management is called. You know? <laughs> we, we got a visitor here, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he, he's like, why is this guy letting locking me out of the room? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, that's um, and it took me a while to to kind of come to grips with that. Now, how can you hunt an animal? And produce more mm-hmm. than if you left them alone and you produce less. Yeah, no, it's counterintuitive, and that's where the whole hunting thing is lost on people that aren't interested enough to pay attention to it, or or maybe you know just unwilling to learn about it, right? But it's uh, you know what's SCI's slogan? Is it hunting is conservation? I think that's SCI's slogan, and yeah, it's uh, it certainly is. And the problem is, is people unless you do the deep dive and and look at all what's involved with it, it's pretty complex and most people don't right so oh very complex and then there's so many variables that enter into mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. that complicate the whole thing i mean you know from an average hunter point of view i hear it all the time oh these biologists what the hell are we paying them for they don't know shit but i i realize they have a tough job i also realize that they're in a position where they can't say too much, I don't think, or yeah. it it impacts their jobs. If, mm-hmm. You know, they're told what they're going to do. And uh, an example would be that CO that that took the two mm-hmm. cub, bear cubs to the right. rehab. He got fired for it. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent, he was told to kill him. Uh, yeah. Like he was a hero to the anti-hunters and the do-gooders. Um, I first blush. I thought, yeah, yeah, good for him. Yeah. It was not the Cubs' fault. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm on the fence with it. But uh, I mean, everybody's up in arms about how many bears get uh, on control kills across the province every year. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you build houses in bear country. You know, there's going to be conflict. Same as the people in Oak Bay that got their rose gardens, they're bitching about the deer. Oh, deer were coming yeah. here first. <laughs> it's their turf. Um, I guess bottom yeah. line, if you don't like it, build a fence. I suppose. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a complex issue, especially with these urban in- interfaces. And well, you see it here too, right? This probably was prime farmland years ago, right on where you are you're at, and it's now it's pretty pretty urbanized now. It's yeah. Um, okay, Fred, so let's talk a little bit about um, your conservation work. So um, you've been involved in uh, Big Game Records of BC for literally decades now. So how did that, obviously you've got a keen interest in wildlife, collecting wildlife, you, scoring, obviously that's a passion of yours. How did you come, how did you get involved with the Big Game Records of BC? It was through my first big caribou 
um, I found out who measured okay. measured it and took it up to Nanaimo and uh, met at um, um, Bud Smith's home on Milton Street in Nanaimo. Charlie Vesey, uh, Byron Mason, and Joan Mason were there. Okay. And they were the scorers representing Boone and Crockett. And Bud was Boone and Crockett, and the rest were from the BC Records. So they measured it. So I was pretty uh, interested in how this went about. Okay. And I thought, yeah, i got to learn more about this. So after that, I kind of, almost immediately became friends with those guys. Right. And I ended up getting invited to a couple of their meetings. And it took a while, but uh, I think I was a, elected as a director in 97. Okay. And uh, since then, I did their newsletter and so 97 so you've been involved for 26 years wow that's amazing so you were elected that year as a director in 97 okay yeah so uh yeah and i i thought at the time i thought this is my chance to give something right. back maybe because the province was pretty good to me in hunting and i thought i was pretty fortunate to be able to do what i mm -hmm. did not because I'm any great shakes, but it's just the opportunity of our province. I mean, it was like the Serengeti of northern yeah. wildlife back then. And, uh, yeah, I just felt fortunate to be able to do that. And then uh, the record book, I believed in it. Um, I still Tell do. me a little bit about that, Fred. Like, and I, I've got my opinions too. I, I am with you. I'd like to hear it from your perspective on why you think this is so important to keep these records and why we should have them. It shows right. what we got, or what we didn't haven't got, and it shows the trends. And uh, it, not so much an ego thing. Not so much a, like for for the longest time they tried to fight it. Like our banquets were honoring right. the animal well yeah but the hunters there front and center you know but basically we still try to to yeah. honor the animal and what's produced in british columbia and uh the hard part is the ethics of fair chase because the goalposts mm -hmm. keep moving mm -hmm. right you know that i know that with technology and all this stuff um, personally, I, I detest long range yeah. shooting. Uh, yeah, it just is more or less using an animal for a target, right. in my opinion. I know there's guys out there that are, are okay with it, uh, are totally capable of making these horribly mm -hmm. long shots under perfect conditions. But you start putting wind in it, you start putting this in it and that in it and different lights and... <laughs> It's you get out those long, long shots, and it's broken mm -hmm. hope. And I think the bottom line, any of these guys will tell you that right. probably. And what what you see on on these outdoor channels, um, that's a shot that happened to be right. successful. You're, they're not going to show the ones that yeah. screw up. Uh, like Karen's caribou, I felt horrible about that, but we just totally didn't estimate the yeah. yardage right. Yeah. So she pulled off a good shot, and she was right deadly on line, but it's just dropped too far, and that's just life. 
but to intentionally try a six, seven, or eight hundred yard shot, um, you hear these. Now I've talked to guys. Yeah, yeah, I finally got her on about the twelfth shot. Well, yeah, something, something's maybe not right there. Yeah, yeah, like. Uh, so anyway, that's one of my little bugs. Is, is so. I got a question about that for you, Fred. So, big game records of BC. You guys use the uh, Boone and Crockett scoring system, and you guys are closely aligned with them. I know you guys put on scoring courses and stuff up here with Boone and Crockett coming up and doing the course. Um, when you guys, um, when it comes to fair chase, I know Boone and Crockett's pretty vocal on fair chase, and they've got a number of standards. Do you guys kind of default to their? you know what they come up with or do you kind of have a policy or standard or a way you approach that well it's so fluid uh yes and no i mean that's our whole mission statement is fair chase selective hunting but then you get in like put crockett they've they've got into the the um, adjustable scopes that you can set and they say no well we haven't gone that far yet um I scored a moose for a, for a fellow here. I actually never gave it a thought. Uh, he shot the thing. He was telling me about the story, and it was 120 yards or something. And uh, filled out the paperwork for Boone and Crockett, entered it. Of course, on their questionnaire is, have you got this kind of scope? And he goes, yeah. They denied entry because it was one of these setting scopes. He didn't use it for that animal. Uh, so I'm thinking, hmm, yeah, maybe we should look at that. We kind of look at drones, you know, it's a no-no. Um, what do you do about, uh, hound hunting? You're not supposed to have your radios or collars on. Talk to a houndsman. He's anybody that says they got their radios off is daft. He says, nobody's going to risk losing thousand dollar dog for just because of that. So that goes against everything, and then you, you fill out the paperwork, and of course they're going to say, no, never's off. So there's fair chase, and there's selective hunting, and, and then pushing the, the envelope. Um, I, think, I think fair chase is so gray. What's fair chase to one person would be this disgusting mm -hmm. to the next mm -hmm. and vice versa well, you talk about length of shot right like for some person that shoots all day every day and has the best equipment 350 is probably not a difficult shot but for some person you know they'll be lucky if they can hit you know 100 something at 150 yards so I, I had a buddy of mine that big guy uh he, he just flinched you know like 100 yard shot was too much for him so, uh, like, I agree with you. Um, one guy, 350, 400, piece of cake. Now, I'm talking, when I say long shots, I'm talking like this 12, 14. Yeah, the, that's, the animal doesn't have a clue. I had one guy, he was proud of the fact that 1,100 yards or meters. I said, Jesus, too bad you couldn't get closer, you know? I, boom, boom. You know, in other words, I kind of was hinting the idea that you're kind of a lousy hunter if you couldn't get closer. You know, I mean, that's why it's called hunting and not kill. Yeah. I guess. yeah. No, it's it's certainly, no, it's uh, certainly difficult. difficult. 
but the the book our, our my biggest thing with the book is trying to um, keep it so it's ethical because some guys not a very small percentage thank god they'll do anything to get their name in the book we've had guys buying antlers and put them in there in their own name this type of thing you know, you know shooting especially roosevelt's because of the draw system it's been forever guys shooting them under another permit and putting it in under their own name i go mm, yeah i wouldn't be doing that kind of thing but um but all in all uh i must say i think with public awareness um it's getting better i think i would hope to think uh, we are encouraging youth um, 15 years ago we brought in a, a youth award at the banquet it's been very well received uh, it's great to see these kids showing up we invite them all any any kid that enters an animal in the book in that three-year period gets an invite a show and tell and the top two get the award yeah whereas in not the other side i call it the big boy side it's just the number one and two get invited so we put up a special display for the youth and these kids are happier than clams we had uh i think we had 18 entries last period three-year period and I think it was 11 came to the banquet. Yeah, you guys were in Cranbrook last year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that was a big, was it an anniversary event or something? It was a big year. No, it was, it was uh, the COVID banquet ah. we had okay. got canceled. So we brought those people in as well as the current banquet. So it was ah, a okay. double banquet. Yeah. Um, so there was like 400 wow. people there. Awesome. And uh I had the the new uh, world record goat in there, that Kluski goat there and stuff. Hey, yeah, I. It almost looks, you know, made up, but yeah, it was there. Uh, the new number one uh, California bighorn was there. Yeah, big big sheep. That's that road kill from uh, up in yeah towards Cash. Um, so, yeah. do you guys do a yearly banquet? Are you is every three? Okay, yeah, every three. Yeah, next, next, this is, we just passed, right, um, last April. So the next one will be in 26, and we're not sure where yet. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, our biggest problem is trying to find directors, like we talked about. And, and directors that are the right age and uh, have social media skills. You know, because us, us old guys, no, we haven't. Yeah, just like lost sheep here. And we're in the middle of, of kind of change over to um, digital, I guess you might say. Up till now, we've got the original score sheet from the scores. It gets mailed in with the, with the entry fee and goes to the records chairman who files it physically in an envelope and, you know, processes it all and the monies go to the treasurer and the process moves along but now we're getting so our our uh, records okay. chair is in prince george mm -hmm. what do we do with the score sheets do we give him the mailing address or what's he going to do right. with the entry fees because yeah. the treasurer's on vancouver island 
So we're in, trying to figure all this out right now. Is this exactly what we're going to do? And we're down to eight directors, and right. we could have 14, but we just can't uh, seem to recruit anybody that's... So what kind of skills, What so you said some social media training or skills, but um, so anyone just, I guess you kind of got to be in British Columbia if you're... In British Columbia, preferably right now uh, on Vancouver Island. But that said, with the way electronic uh, communication right. goes, yeah. it could be anywhere, really. Um, it would be nice to have the key players on the island because it's the like secretary right. mail, for instance. They, the secretary gets it. Entry fees go to the treasurer. This... Uh, the score sheets go to the records chair. Other stuff goes to here, goes to there. Um, if those positions were in the interior, let's say, well, now you got to be, mm -hmm. you know, it just becomes complicated. Uh, we have a director in Prince George okay. and one in Cranbrook right now, and it seems to be right. working yeah. out pretty good. Yeah, for but, sure. Uh, um, the the whole hub of the club was in Nanaimo, but those guys are all getting older and got older and are dropping by the wayside and retiring. So now it seems that the main uh, group is in the north, uh, Campbell River, okay. yeah. Courtney country. Right. We've got three directors up is there. Is Charlie VC, is he so, on the board uh, still? Or is he's done it, yeah. No, he stepped yeah. back. He scored my sheep yeah. the first time I, yeah, yeah, brought it up to Nanaimo oh, yeah. and seen Charlie, okay. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie stepped back about um, okay yeah. three, four years ago. Uh, he was at the banquet, actually. I made oh, okay. him stand up and yeah. be recognized. Um, I got his old job of uh, okay. chairman, yeah. uh, scoring chairman. Oh, that's cool. Now, I had a question for you about the book. So, um, Fred, you talked about trends, and and that's one of the beauty of the records. Um, you've been involved now for what we said, how many, how 20 plus years, 26 years. Um, have you yourself noticed any trends? Have you seen stuff growing, decreasing, less entries? What have you noticed? Less entries. Well, yeah, I've, I've seen a few. Uh, one, the first one I've kind of recognized was stone sheep. We weren't getting entries. Okay. You know, this is a few years ago now. We just weren't. You go newsletter 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 no entry for stone sheep and the minimum was uh, 165 so we thought, well let's try dropping the minimum to 160 but and crockett did the same thing for their awards right and that worked pretty good now we're getting entries we're getting some big sheep uh, why how where are they from i don't know um i'm hearing some stuff but bottom line is there's some big grams coming in. Uh, the, uh, I hesitate, I'm trying to think. The COVID banquet, I call it, the one we had to cancel. Uh, for four years, four years in British Columbia, we did not have a typical mule deer entered. What's up with that? That doesn't make sense. Nope. Didn't have one entered. They just weren't being taken. Nothing. Zero. Like we're thinking, wow, you know, we didn't get, didn't give out an award. They just weren't happening. And the non-typical side 
we hardly got any and what we got were, were not huge they were record book but not that 240 250 type thing they were 206 210 211 you know yeah now hmm. mule deer is starting to show up again especially this year it's been some big so is it people is it uh the the you got to think the bucks were there. They just weren't getting entered, or they weren't getting taken, or it's kind of strange. I, yeah, kind of strange. But yeah. four years, hmm. you know, I don't know. Be um, interesting. This you hear is, all these theories, but they're all theories, right? Yeah. Well, it's that four point up. The young bucks are getting shots, so and they're growing the big bucks. Blah, blah blah. You know, I I don't know. Yeah, and it could be the truth, right? But it's interesting. Um, did you notice during COVID, like obviously on the mule deer side of things, you noticed a change? Did you see more entries, like you know, in that COVID era, or less? Like where less. people bring there was less, eh? Yeah, yeah. I guess I think less people out there. The government didn't want us associating, so you're not going to take your head in to get it scored because you right. probably couldn't go in that year, right? Yeah. So, um, um, I I see caribou are in a real downturn right now. Is that right? Like yeah, for entries. Not, yeah, we're and not getting many general. entries. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very few, actually. Is that right? Eh? Yeah. And the yeah. government doesn't seem to recognize that they're in trouble. Right. How's, I don't know how that works, that they seem to recognize it five or ten years after the fact. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, our deer on the island, there's not many on the South Island. Right. I'm, you know, and I think a lot of it is this... Um, was that um, virus they were getting? You heard about that? Yeah, I did yeah. hear about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, guys are coming in, especially locally. Not so much this year, but last year and the year before, saying, "Yeah, I saw seven, you know, found seven dead fawns just laying there." Hmm. Well, that's we lost a four-point bucket uh, here. He was out in the back in uh, um, end of May last year. Okay, died. One of our regular bucks around here. Right. But he just not a hair out of place. Huh. He just laid down and died, yeah. laying out in the trees. And uh, the funny thing is, there's not one thing that touched him. Is that right? No, nope. he just hmm. laid there. Yeah, the rotted maggots. Kind of says it all right there. Yeah, right? the the hide uh, dried right out. And when I burned a year ago in the fall, I, what was left weighed about seven or eight pounds. I just threw it on the fire. Is that right? Yeah. But yeah, not one, no eagle, no ravens, no nothing. Mm. Yeah. So I thought, uh, something's wrong there. That's probably that virus. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So the book, um, the cover is fantastic, I think. Oh, it's stunning. It's um, beautiful. It's an artist from Chetwin. Okay. Um, Rogan Didier. Uh, we just, our, our uh, Brian Swift, our uh, vice president, saw it on the internet, uh, his artwork. Mm -hmm. So it went from there. Nicest guy. Did you guys commission him to do it, or did you see the painting instead, or the drawing and the artwork and wanted that one specifically? Yeah, specifically that one, because it fit so perfect. We were talking to having a caribou on there, because caribou were in a bit of trouble, and we've never used one for the cover. Right. And uh, he came up with this drawing, and and right away... And we asked him how how could we how much did he want to you know f for using it? Well, he ended up giving us permission. Oh wow, that's awesome! And not only that, he uh, gave me the original. 
Oh, wow. Because he knew it. I didn't care about so. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's in the other room. Very cool. Yeah. So now with the book itself, um, you guys have, you publish the book every three years. Is that correct? Six. Oh, it's every six years. Okay, yeah. sorry. But, yeah. Well, that's the way we've been doing it. That, it was seven, eight. Okay. Um, but we decided that uh, the last two books or three, we've debuted at our, every other banquet. Okay. Which yeah. works out really good. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. So, yeah. yeah. Now, you guys have a special run of books um, where you have a hundred of them. They're signed and yep. they're numbered. Yep. Um, what's, uh, tell us a little bit about that and the significance of that. Well, I'm a book guy. I collect yep. books and I talk the directors into to, uh, having a signed page. We did a book. <clears throat> Our fifth edition was a, a blue colored with a bighorn on the front. Okay. And we numbered and signed 2,000 copies of it. Okay. And it sold out. Right. So I says, we didn't learn anything by it because we haven't been selling out. Right. The next two. So this one, I pushed, pushed, pushed. Finally, we got 100. Okay. So uh, 100, I numbered them, and uh, I had to sign, Doug Jant signed it. He was records chair. Okay. And it's fairly well received. I th I think we're just about sold out of them. Is that right? We got less than a box left, which is eight or nine. Right. Left. I just uh, so. I received one. Mike had come and got scored, and he he got one as a gift for me. Yeah. I um, which is I wasn't about to say anything. For sure. Okay. Which is fantastic. I just love it. And uh, and then of course this morning I bought my life membership to yeah. uh, Big Game Records of BC. So um, awesome what you guys are doing, and and love love the work and. Um, yeah, I just want, we need to keep supporting yeah. this and keep supporting the great work well, you guys are doing. Our, our organizations are very similar, other than we have a service, which is recording and, and the book. Mm -hmm. But we're still non-profit, and we still want to fund things uh, for game. Mm -hmm. um, the one in front and center is a, a scholarship program. Right. You know. So talk a little bit about that. What's involved? How does it work? I don't know. Uh, we're kind of stumbling around right now trying to think, how do we reach these kids? Yeah. And what parameters can we put on it? Right. I mean, you don't want to give a thousand bucks to some young lady that's doing philosophy or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. It should be wildlife management or preferably uh, used in BC would mm -hmm. be a, in a perfect world. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess you go through the educational system. We don't know. Right. But I was kind of hoping that you'd have a couple of ideas on that. Well, it's interesting, the society as well. We, you know, we've been talking internally too. We, we recognize the importance of youth and there's people out there that have youth programs and they do a good job, but you don't want to just copy what they're doing either. Right. And I think that that, you know, you mentioned the 18 kids that won awards and you know, that that's really cool that they're, you know, they're all invited to the banquet and we need that. We need that next generation. And like you said, you know, you look at your board and, you know, it's not getting any younger, right? So how do we encourage people to be really mindful of it and, and you know, be part of it too, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh be nice to encourage guys in, guys in their 30s or 40s, mm -hmm. you know, they've got some some streetwise, not kids. Yeah. And, but they're, they got 30 years left mm -hmm. to be able to. And I think in our case, it would, unfortunately, we've had um, 
like Charlie Visek, Byron Mason, Don Sunquist. Uh, these guys have stepped back. Right. Doug Jantz now, uh, Don Doyle. Um, they've stepped down, and unfortunately, they're gone. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't get them to men mentor anybody mm -hmm. uh, because they've they're not involved anymore. You know, it would be nice to bring people on. That's that's where I had the advantage. I hung around like a pain in the butt to these guys. I'm sure. Right. And uh, I got to see how how the system worked and and just exactly. Um, you know what the mindset was and you know we have guys saying well how much to pay well sorry but it doesn't <laughs> yeah not That's very it, well <laughs> not very well no actually it costs you a lot of money you know? yeah but uh yeah i i got mentored by byron mainly right and feel very fortunate to be able to have done that mm -hmm. um i feel oh a little bit on scoring i felt quite strongly that uh any hunting partner or like Karen, my wife, all that stuff I took to Byron to get measured. Right. I wouldn't touch it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the proper way to do it. And I've had a, now I'm scoring chairman of the province. I've had a couple of, not run-ins, but I've had to talk to a couple of the scorers. They score their own kid's stuff or their wife's stuff. And I think, I'm not saying you did anything wrong. That's the last thing I'll say. All I'm saying is, it's a perceived conflict of interest, and maybe you should rethink that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we're ironing it out. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, um, yeah, to get, to get um, I don't know what we got to do to find good directors. Um, and I'm, I firmly believe that, hey, we'll welcome women, girls. That, yeah, we need more of that. No for problem sure. there. Yeah, it's not a good old boys club for sure. Uh, there's lots of well, women. I've seen that pictures from the banquet. There was lots of ladies at the banquet too, which was encouraging to see. And we need more of that, right? We we definitely need to encourage that, and more kids, and more more women involved in in everything we're doing, right? So. Yeah, and these kids. I mean, it's uh, yeah, that's their night to shine, and the parents are there with their chest stuck out. And, and little Johnny is there, and he's standing beside his whatever, hanging yeah. there, and guys taking pictures. And uh, I mean, we gave them all a. Uh, I got Jim Shockey to. He donated caps nice. and signed them all for the kids. Uh, we gave them all a record book and nice. signed all the directors signed it, and yeah. So it, in that respect, hopefully they'll retain that. And well, I'm sure they will, and you know too, that. with kids sometimes they kind of. They go off and they're kind of trying to find their way but you know I, i've i've seen this with myself too you know when i was into hunting when i was young and it's kind of in your dna and then i kind of got away from it a little bit not that i didn't want to do it, i just didn't have as much time but then you kind of get settled set up and then you just want to do it get after well, it again yeah there's that time frame that um uh, i guess i would say a 20s early 30s where you you're dealing with a job you're dealing with newly married probably you're dealing with kids um you don't got time to dick around with this sort of stuff your prayers are somewhere else and then your life kind of gets evened out you might say and that's what i would hope we would mm -hmm. attract is that yeah. guy um 
I find it a little bit um, distressing, maybe you might say it, that a lot of these people now, hunters, um, they can't can hardly wait to take pictures of a dead animal and splatter right. it yeah. all over media. Yeah. Uh, look how good I am. And I, that makes me cringe because yeah. that just wasn't my style. Yeah, there's definitely been an evolution there, and there's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's been social media has been, it's brought us together in many ways as a community. But boy, it's done a lot of bad for us too in terms of the anti-hunter and and even the non-hunter not understanding what we're doing. And I think we've as hunters we've gotten a little bit better at what we how we tell our story, but we still got a long ways to go. I think. Yeah. I I think so. Um. Yeah, I mean, these young guys will, if they ever listen to this, they'll think, yeah, silly old fart. What's he know? But sometimes yeah. these old dudes know a bit, you know? Yeah. No more than they let on. And, uh, oh, well, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, every once in a while, these words of wisdom come out. And, yeah, you better listen. Yeah. These old guys got something to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. <laughs> So we're hopefully we'll get this, um, this, I don't know how to do this uh, scholarship thing and how to target the right people. Do we, like you guys and us, do you give preference to life members, families, or is it strictly you open it up to like your phone or contact you Vic and mm -hmm. say, you got a list, you know, or, uh, how, if you stand back and wait for somebody to apply for it and they don't know enough to apply because we haven't advertised or put it out there, well, then you'll never, mm -hmm. it'll never happen. Um, what's prompting us is, is in our, uh, and I'm sure you guys are up against the same thing right. uh, yeah. for lottery. Right. Yeah, we got I don't know, a couple, three grand in an account that the government's put the hooks on and wants us to yeah. account for it, what we spend it on. And we we uh, we haven't donated anything to any lot or bursary, but we want to, and that's earmarked right. for that. Yeah. We got to get rid of it. So, um, but it's just how we do it, and yeah, you know, like I say, you don't want to just to throw it away on on yeah. somebody that's going to waste it. Uh, but some in a perfect world, it would be some kid that's. The family's not wealthy, and mm -hmm. they need a few bucks to further education in in the wildlife mm -hmm. yeah. end of things. But how yeah, you find them is another question. Yeah, it's about as elusive <laughs> as trying to find a or director. a caribou. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, or a caribou, especially today. I mean, yeah. it's tough sledding. You know? So before before I let you go here, and I've taken a bunch of your time today, Friday, but I'm. I'm really curious when you look around the room and you've got so many accomplishments, so many memories, is there one that kind of stands out as, and, and not, not so much the trophy, but the hunt. Is there one where you, like if, if you had to say pick one that stands out hunt wise, is there one that kind of. Not really. Um, like I said, that one up in this wall. Or this one here, not because of the size, but just because wife is a 
company. Well, to shoot him uh, offhand at 70 yards, that's a little I, bit been, memorable. For, but it, uh, really not out of the ordinary for caribou <laughs> either too, right? Caribou, you can... Yeah, usually you don't get that tight to them, but <laughs> we did with him. And, uh, um, yeah, it was it was a classic job. Um, yeah. They're all memorable. I, I can sit in, I don't sit in here enough. Uh, used to come in here, light the fireplace, and sit and have a drink. And yeah, I kind of got away from it for whatever reason. You get kind of yeah. addicted to the boob tube, and I don't come in here nearly enough. Uh, but when I do, I still got my marbles, I guess, because uh -huh. I can still remember all the hunts. Well, this is an impressive trophy room, to say the least. And the cool thing for me is that you go to some people's trophy room, and there's all kinds of crap and um, amazing, but they're from all over the world. And there's, you know, and that's, that's cool, too. Like, I love seeing that. But to come in this room, and there's one mount that's not a BC species, and it's... Uh, it's phenomenal. Like this came off the land of British Columbia. This is what our province has produced, and some, it's super. Yeah, I cool. kind of like that. I idea. love it. It's that amazing. Myself. Yeah. yeah. So many different species yeah. of birds, and, and uh, amazing. Yeah, and obviously the the raptors are all permitted. They're all, but um, yeah, the birds are kind of hides. Cool. Like yeah, just like um, these. There's just endless hides. They're just beautiful. Yeah, everything's got its story, eh? And uh, like that big. Where's that from? What's the story park. there? Wow, <laughs> Bull River. It came. My partner at the time, he's he passed away about a year ago. He lives in suit, and he's doing building a garage, and he's looking across a bunch of brush and crap, and he says this guy's got a telephone pole in his backyard, and this thing is tied to the telephone <laughs> pole, <laughs> just hanging there. So he says. Lunchtime, he says, I went over, banged on his door, and got talking to him, and he says, my buddy would really like that thing, or like to have a look at it, the way he put it. And he says, mind if I borrow it and show it to him? The guy says, well, why don't you just give it to him? He says, my old man shot it years ago in the Bull River. So it's 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 beat but up and Fred, banged that's up. that's a giant. It is. But a, we, we put yeah, it in the book. Giant, yeah, it's 182, like just, I think, on that thing. Yeah. Yeah. The shells obviously are way back, and you know. Well, just the skull, it's kind of it just you know, it, the skull is so robust that you can just tell it's an old ram. It's a, yeah, absolutely stunning. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, that's what I like about. Quite often, when you buy stuff, right? I try and yeah. get the story. You know, and stories are neat. Um, there's a. You didn't see them, but there's some sheep okay. underneath the table, my scoring table in the other room. And one is a, a doll sheep. And uh, this young fellow I got to know, uh, he hunted a bit. And him and his wife lived in Crofton. So he phones me and he says, hey, there's a huge stone sheep hanging on the under the gables of this house, one block below us. I go, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a monster. I said, stone, eh? He goes, yeah. I know. That's interesting. Next time I'm up, I'll go have a look. So, a few weeks later, I get the phone call. House has <laughs> got a for sale sign on it. <laughs> so I said, get your ass over there and see if you can buy that sheep. I didn't even know what it was. So, oh, okay. How much do you want to pay? I said, your discretion. If it's as big as you say it is, 
So an hour later, I get the phone call. I'm up the ladder and I'm taking <laughs> it off the house as we speak. <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow. It's a mounted okay. head, as it turns out. Gray. Yes. Grayer than gray. Of course, yeah. it's been up there forever underneath the cable end. And uh, I said, take a couple of pictures before you take it down. And then I took some pictures of it here. But you give it okay, this, okay. And it's white underneath. But we weren't sure where it came from. So it's kind of a just a set of sheep horns. So then I I got Mike to, he said, it's an older lady is selling our house. So I said, well, if you can go back before she moves and find any, what you can on this thing. Well, it's a funny story, but so she he went back and, and her husband's been gone for years. And uh, he got this thing given to him. So Mike asked, I says, find out how long the guy owned it and where it came from, if you can. So he had it for donkey's okay. years before he passed away. And he got it off the gatekeeper at Leechtown okay. in Sioux, who had it for donkey's years. <laughs> this nice phrase. And he got it off one of the old-time miners in a cabin in Leechtown because the guy had it hanging on the front of his cabin wow. for donkey's years. So we're going back four donkey's years, and I think 27 years the fella died, and it's been hanging in this gable end. So we start breaking it back and going, hmm. So it turns out that the miner's cabin that had it okay. was from Atlin. So right. now we know, yeah, it's a doll. Because we had it, in the, we ended up putting it in the book okay. as a stone because yeah. we didn't know, but then we changed it to a doll. And when I I pulled the uh, uh, plaque off, the mounted head, I pulled apart. The inside there's always an inside chunk of uh, wood, and then the plaque goes onto that. It had a big hole in it, and the rumor was that he stored his oh. gold in the sheep head. I got no doubt he did because. It, the whole sheep head was hollow. Usually those old heads are, are full of excelsior yeah. and plaster. And it was full of gold. So Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't there was when you it got it. Work. it yeah. But I got the horns. And they're, wow, they're that's 164 a nice and 7.8. Wow. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, another one I bought at auction in Victoria. And uh, it had been in a garage or something because it was wet and moldy and shitty stunk mm. and it smelled like a wet dog kind of stink and when i bought it i it was i remember it was pouring rain and i came home and i put it in the back of the truck and no way it was going on the front so i took pictures of that pulled it apart and when i pulled off the inner wood it had union club victoria uh 1910 that's right. Wow, well, nice. They used to have a lot of stuff on display. Wow, 1910. Years ago. Wow. So, yeah. So it's it's a it's a nice stone. It's um. Man, that's a, that's phenomenal, Fred. When you think about that, that head. Yeah. Yeah, 110 years. Yeah, ago. it's history, wow. right? That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. But it, it, that's what I like about collecting. You asked me before what what I why right? It's the stories. And the stuff that's uh, going to be lost yeah. if somebody doesn't pick it up. 
Um, a lot of that stuff yeah. just ends up in the garbage can. This would have been deteriorated for nothing. The shells would have fallen off and it would have just melted. So then the difficult question is, is where does your legacy go? What is, where does Fred's, you know, 70, 80, like whatever, like 110 year old. I don't you know. Where does it all go? I hate for it to go the way of the door bird. Um, I'm kind of counting on my wife. She's a few years older or younger than I am. But if we both got something right. happened at the same time, I don't know. Uh, I guess Jim would be able to pop right. through it all and yeah. take what he wanted, I guess. Amazing. But yeah, there's a lot of blacktails right. off the island in there yeah. that are in the island book. Score over 100. It's probably, I don't know how many, there, <laughs> 75 wow. or 80, I guess. Yeah. Amazing. You know, um, yeah, it's just uh, collecting over the years. And, but some of these things got a really cool yeah. story. And, uh, the uh, the one caribou in the, in the in my office there, I bought it at auction. Years ago, I went down to, uh, it was Lund's auction. Somebody okay. tipped me off there was a caribou head in there. So I go down there and I look at this thing and I go, yeah, it's big. Try and get it. Well, I, I'm not wealthy, you know, especially then. So uh, I show up at the auction and there's this little guy there and I, I'm doomed. No, Eddie I, don't Ng, I don't know if that rings a bell, but um, uh, kind of a cool guy, but he, he and his dad was wealthy beyond okay. means. And Eddie had no problem with money, and he collected this sort of stuff. So I knew I was pretty well done, so I just bid him up to where I didn't want to go, and he got this thing. Now, this would be, I've had it 10 years now, I guess, so that would be 25 years prior to that, 30 maybe. And uh, when I went down to Lunds to look at this thing, I'm just, just stupid didn't have the brains to talk to the fellow. I'm looking at it, and this old older guy comes up. He goes, like caribou? I go, yeah. I said, that's a neat one. That's yeah, mine. I go, really? Why, why is it in here? He says, well, wife and I are getting to that age. We've got to cut back. And none of the kids didn't want it too big, so here it is. I go, oh, yeah. He's a young caribou? Said, yeah. Yep. He says, came from the Chesley. I'm stupid enough. I didn't talk to him hardly. And, uh, yeah, I go, oh, nice hat. He goes, yeah, went in, went up the Stikeen. Well, he was old enough to do that. And then they packed train in from Telegraph Creek up, up the Chesley River. Be the backside of Level Mountain, I guess. So I'm looking at this thing. Of course, I didn't get it, so I forgot all about it. And then it was like 10 years ago, I'd go down to the Kill shots auction. I recognized this caribou, and I had, was able to buy it. It was back up on auction. Eddie Ng, in the meantime, had passed away. Yeah. What do you think so happened I, with I all the stuff that he bought? Like he obviously collected a bunch of stuff over the years. Right. Yeah. Well, I got some of it, uh, but a lot of it was just right. basic junk. Uh, okay. He didn't take care of it. It was out to crash, out to shop, and here, there, and everywhere. 
but I I bought a, a moose, a non-typical okay. moose that's in my office because uh, I thought the antlers were really cool. No idea where they're from, so they're, they wouldn't go in a record book anyway. But, um, yeah. So all I know is the, is the guy's name. So we scored it and put in the book under his name, Chesley River. Um, oh, um, his name was Little. Uh, last name was Little. It's in there. 419. It's a big head. It's funny, you know, you yeah. start talking about, you know, steam yeah. engine or ste- steamer and uh, up the river and, um, you know, and and then packing back or horseback. I was just thinking, of, you know, back to the Chadwick days, right? It's just like there's so much legacy and history. Yeah. And, um, and it's fun when you talked about the Union Club and dated back to 1910 because that would, could yeah. you imagine going stone sheep hunting in 1910? I, <laughs> it would be different than today. Yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. out of Telegraph, sure. you know. Um, I got another stone that I bought at the auction. It was uh, uh, John. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, Bevan. He was one of the founders of Phenol. John Bevan. He 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 got involved. They they were loggers. They own yeah in BC. Yeah, uh, they had lots of money. They had their own beaver. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I recognize that name. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so he's got stuff from the fifties. Yeah, fifty three. Wow, it's a it's a stone. Right. 171, I think. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Decent ram, eh? Yeah. I actually, it was consigned by his grandson who didn't, none of the family wanted it. Is again. that right? Eh? Yeah. No. And I bid against the guy that wanted it for uh, making knife handles. Is that right? Yeah. 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 That's the scary part, right? You know? Yeah. Yep. It's gone forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, where this stuff is going to go, I got no idea. Like, caribou shovels i I don't mind i was going to make crib boards and i never did right but that's kind of cool i've shed antlers very cool i got some tops over there the same thing well it's in a phenomenal room fred and uh and uh boy i i've I've sure enjoyed this i an hour and a half has flown by and just just like this so we're uh we're, we're i'm gonna have to see if i can coerce you i know this is your the first time you're doing a podcast and um, I I'd love to come back and chew chew some fat with you again and yeah I, like I say I can't say it enough that I'm not the guy that likes this I I I thing but unfortunately this is a uh, I'm cast into the light of having to talk about what I've done here well and you didn't do that today you you did, this was not about you this was about the animal this was about yeah the club. No, there there wasn't a lot of I in there. Talked more about your wife than you did yourself. So, no, we're we're sure grateful, Fred, and uh, and uh, I'm proud to be a, a member of, and a little embarrassed to say I didn't do it before, but so glad to be a, a member of Big Game Records at BC. And yeah, glad to see that come through. Yeah, awesome. That's your book there. You knew that. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, thanks for coming around. Yeah, let's anytime. Let's do it again soon for sure. Sounds good. No, I won't be scared stiff of the next podcast. <laughs>